I am not Pastor Kyle. I'm also not Lindsay, uh, so you probably could have figured that out on your own. But I am Chris Bedell. I'm one of the directors of student ministry here at South Park Church. And uh, I'm really excited to be here to share this message with you this morning. Um, now, I will say that when Pastor Kyle and Pastor Lindsay, they were looking for someone to, to come and do the sermon today, they said to themselves, we need to find someone who knows a lot, someone who is awesome, someone who is charming and handsome, and we also need to get someone who is wise beyond their years, someone who just has this command of respect, right? And unfortunately, all of those people were busy today, and so I am here with you instead. So I'm going to go ahead and take this off, uh, because we're going to talk about relationships today. And I actually have entered into recently a new relationship, uh, a very important relationship, and that is because 13 months ago, I became a father for the first time. So that's a very exciting relationship. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've learned in that relationship, but I will say that about 10 months ago, I made one of the worst mistakes of my entire life. So 13 months ago, I became a father. 10 months ago, one of the worst mistakes of my life. And that's because my daughter at the time, she's about three months old, she was sleeping about eight hours through the night. And I decided it was a good idea to go onto social media and post about it and say, my daughter, she sleeps eight hours a night. Well, those of you that are parents, you probably know where this is going. Those of you who are not parents, you could probably guess where this is headed. Pretty soon after that post, she stopped sleeping through the night. And then fast forward to now, and she's still not really sleeping through the night. So that is a little bit of a struggle in this new relationship that we have. But I am learning a lot about um, a lot of things through this relationship, through being a new father. So today... I want to focus on relationships for a little bit, because when I go and, and it's just on my head all the time, it's just in my brain, and when I go and, and read the scripture and read the Bible each week, everything I read is just reminding me of relationships, because I'm thinking about my daughter and all, all these other relationships, and it's just, it's constantly there. So I want to take a look at some scriptures today, and maybe read some things into it, and these are some of my favorite scriptures and favorite stories from the Bible. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about some of these things that we're going to see here. So let's go ahead and pull this first scripture up here. Uh, this is from John 21. Now, a little bit of context. This is from after Jesus was resurrected. So Jesus was crucified, resurrected, came back, and this is one of the first things he does. Uh, so uh, it says here, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. This is starting off great. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. So, they're like a hundred yards off, it says, so they can see someone is on the beach over there, but it's like kind of fuzzy. So, he calls out and says, fellows, have you caught any fish? I, I love that Jesus says this. I just want to take a break for a second, because Jesus knows that they haven't caught any fish, right? He knows they've been out all night and haven't caught anything. I like to picture in my head that Jesus was asking this question and sort of laughing a little bit to himself, like, they definitely haven't caught any fish, have they? I like to picture Jesus kind of making a joke there. But he says, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied, of course. 
So then he said, throw at your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Right? They threw the net on the other side, and they caught more fish. So it looks like Jesus was right. But there's a little bit missing from that scripture, because the next thing that Jesus does, which, you know, this whole story is a little strange. Like, why is this one in there? I mean, picture you. You just resurrect from the dead. One of the first things you do, you're going to go and give some people some fishing advice, give your friends fishing advice. Right? It's a little strange, right? You might wonder yourself, why is that in there? So the next thing that happens in that scripture, it doesn't show on here, but the next thing that happens is they realize it's Jesus. They start bringing their boat to shore. Simon Peter jumps out of the boat, swims back because he's so excited. And when they get back to shore, Jesus is there waiting for them. And there's a charcoal fire with some food cooking on. There's, you got some fish and some bread. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you bring some of the fish you caught? Throw it in the fire. We'll, we'll have it together. Come and have breakfast with me. Jesus invites them to breakfast, right? So it's a strange story because Jesus resurrects from the dead. And one of the first things he does is come back and has breakfast with his disciples. You know, imagine, like, you come back from the dead. Would one of the first things you'd be to stop at a Denny's with your friends? Maybe not, right? So one of the things I think is interesting about that, I, I, I picture in my head that Jesus, I mean, it doesn't say anyone else was there. The disciples arrive on the beach, and there's food already cooking. So I like to picture in my head that Jesus probably cooked that food, right? And if Jesus is the one cooking that food, I like to think it probably looks something like this, right? Super fancy. Come on, Jesus has to be a good cook, right? Because the only alternative I think is even more ridiculous would be that Jesus is a bad cook. And that just doesn't even seem like it would make any sense to me. So, yeah, Jesus is probably a good cook. <laughs> Anyways, one of the things that I, I think stands out in that scripture is that Jesus often says more than what he just says. Does that make sense? He says more in what he says than just that literal thing, right? There's often deeper meaning in the things he said. There's other connections. And I think the disciples would have picked up on this as well. Because this happened after Jesus was resurrected. But this was not the only time that Jesus and his disciples were fishing. All right, there is another story. This was early on in Jesus' ministry when Jesus finds his disciples and he calls out to them and, and something else happens. So let's take a look at that story that happened earlier. And I, I think the disciples, I think they would have kind of recognized this in their minds. Right? When Jesus is telling them to throw their nets, I think they recognize, hey, I, I feel like I remember this from something Jesus did a while back. So this is what happened in Matthew 4. Now, this has happened before, right? One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Another fishing story, right? Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets, and they followed him. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So I like to think that when Jesus was resurrected and came to his disciples and telling them to throw your net on the other side, I like to think the disciples were thinking about this story in their heads. All right, go and fish for people. All right? And that's what relationships is all about, isn't it? That's what we talk about all the time. We talk about relationships all the time. There's no ministry that is successful without relationships. Relationships is the whole thing. It's one of our core values in this church. 
We talk about it. I come up here and I, I do the welcome announcements frequently and I'll talk about uh, our different core values, generosity and transformation and relationships, right? Well, this is right from our website, directly from our website, just copied and pasted it. Relationships, they are the most important part of our life. We are called to love God, self, and neighbor. We're in this together. We're in this together. This is the whole thing. This is the whole purpose of church, right? Relationships, right? That's why we're here. That's why you're watching me talking up here right now, right? So what I would like to do today is I'd like to practice what I preach maybe a little bit right now, and let's start a relationship together. Now, you online, me standing here, I want to share a little bit about who I am. I want to share about some relationships in my own life because I believe that relationships in our lives teach us about God. I think that relationships in our lives teach us about God. So let me give you a couple examples. I, I want to share some, some uh, about my family, a couple stories, and a little bit of what I've learned through the years uh, from different relationships in my own life. So let's go ahead and start with this first picture here. This is a nice one. Uh, this was taken on the iPhone 6 probably. Uh, no, this is, this is much older than that. But this is my sisters and my best friend is basically a brother to me. His name's Mike. And then you can tell which one I am because I'm the shortest one in this picture as I normally am in a room. So my two sisters, uh, farthest one on the left there, her name's Katie. And then the one next to her, her name's Shelby. And then my friend or my brother, Mike. And then me. So I want to share a couple stories about these people and the impact that they've had on me, and the things I've learned through these relationships. Starting off with Katie. Now, Katie is, is 10 years older than I am. So I am 31, so I will let you do the math, and I'm sure she's very happy that I'm doing this right now. Uh, but she's 10 years older than me, so our relationship is a little different than my relationship with my other sister. Because she was always so much older, she was almost like a second parent to me. So if my mom was like off shopping and like the, someone came and like knocked on a house, sometimes they would confuse my sister Katie for being my mom, which was always kind of a fun story. So when she's 16 years old, you know, I'm six and she's taking care of me. And that was the relationship that we had. She was always looking out for me and she still looks out for me. Uh, when I was graduating, I, I have forgotten to order my cap and gown. I had no money to order my cap and gown. It was a difficult time for our family. We were going through a lot of things. And she didn't really have a lot of money either, but she paid so I can have my cap and gown. She knows I'm a very forgetful person, and I thank God that she's in my life, and I know that she's always going to be looking out for me. When we were in trouble and, and needed money, she was there to help us. So I have learned a little bit about God when I read stories in the Bible about uh, God providing for you and taking care of you. I can understand that. I can understand a little bit of that because of my sister Katie. Because the relationship that we have, I can know a little bit more about the way that God loves me. So with my sister Shelby here, it's a little different story. She's also older than me, but only about four years older. And we did not always get along as siblings. As many of you at home can probably attest to, you might not get along with your siblings as well. Now, there is one particular story that I, I like to share, and this is a story, uh, when I got very angry at my sister once, I was probably seven, eight years old, maybe, somewhere around there, and she just, she knows exactly what to do to 
grind my gears, you know? So she knew exactly what buttons to push, and she made me mad somehow. I don't even remember what it was about. But I had this wooden wagon, and there was a red side of this wagon. If she's watching right now, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I took off this red side of this wagon, and I started chasing my sister through the house, just screaming at the top of my lungs, furious, enraged, chasing her around. She runs into her bedroom, closes the door, locks it. So I take that side of the wooden wagon and I start beating on her door. And I beat that door until there was a hole in it and I could fit myself through. <laughs> I was apparently a very angry young child. So th that's a little bit different than our relationship now, of course. Because I knew that my sister Shelby would always stand up for me. I grew up in a neighborhood where all of the kids in the neighborhood were older than me. They were all about four years older or more. And I would hang out with them and we would play street hockey and things like that. And sometimes, you know, I was just a young kid, sometimes I would do something that made people angry or upset or maybe they'd start bullying me a little bit. You know, not too much, just teasing. But I knew that my sister would be the first one to stand up for me. Even though we were the ones who were constantly fighting with each other and she was always teasing me and, and ragging on me, I knew that if one of them teased me, one of them bullied me, she would be the first one to get up in their face and confront them and stand up for me. So when I read stories in the Bible about God standing up for people and people trusting that God will protect them, I can understand that a little bit because of my relationship with my sister Shelby. I can understand a God who will stand up and fight for you because of my sister Shelby. My friend Mike, he's, he's basically a brother to me. Um, we grew up together, best friends, and he went through some difficult times. Uh, there was one time his father passed away, and he came and basically lived at our house. We live right next door, and he came and lived at our house for a couple of weeks, basically. Uh, my parents were even um, uh, kind enough to just buy a, a bunk bed, and we stayed together in my room and just hung out, and you know, it was a really difficult time for him. It was a really difficult time for his family. But Mike was also the, one of those guys who was just always there to guide me. He was kind of like a mentor in my young life and, and teaching me how to be more mature, right? And sometimes it wasn't always easy, but Mike was always there to just show me the way. So when I read stories in the Bible about God doing that for someone, I can understand that a little bit because I had Mike and he did that for me. So I can understand that aspect of God's love, when he, when he guides people and, and teaches them, even through difficult lessons. So let's take a look at another part of my family here. We're going to really make this relationship great here. We're going to learn a lot about me. Uh, this is me and my father hanging out. Apparently his knees didn't fit in the car. So the relationship with my dad... It, there's one story in particular that I think is a great story that shows a little bit about our relationship. And for any of you that are maybe younger, maybe we're into Pokemon, right? I'm, I'm assuming everyone knows what Pokemon is at this point. Uh, I was big into Pokemon. I was like in middle school or like elementary school around that time when it first came out. I'm one of the OG Pokemon people, I guess. So I was big into it. And I was on the after school bus and I was showing another kid one of my cards. It was a very expensive card, one of my favorite cards. And I had my little uh, sleeves of like cards that were protected in the plastic and all that. So I'm showing this kid my card. I didn't know, really know who this kid was, but maybe we we're going to make a trade. 
And then some people were getting off the bus, and then he quickly hands me my, my, my sleeves back, my pack, my binder, and I think nothing of it. He gets off the bus. I get home, and I'm looking through, and I realize one of my cards is missing, my really expensive nice one. What happened to it? And I, I noticed on the sleeve, like, there's a little tear, almost like someone ripped it out really quickly. So I knew that that kid stole my card. He stole my Pokemon card. And I was just so distraught, so upset. So I go to my dad, and I tell him what happened. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to go get in the car. So he, he goes, and he looks up the bus route. Right? We figure out exactly where that after-school bus went. We get in the car, and we drive around all afternoon, just going to houses, knocking on doors, trying to find this kid's family who stole my Pokemon card. And we found him. That's the amazing part. We actually found the house. We knocked on the door. We talked to the parents. We got the card back. That is just a great kind of example of how I know that my dad was always going to be there if I was in trouble. Right? I knew he would be there if I was in trouble. I was lost in the woods once. I was on top of this mountain. We were hiking, and I, I got lost because I frequently am daydreaming and not thinking. So I get lost on top of this mountain, and I, I remember just screaming at the top of my lungs for my dad, and he found me. I knew he would. I know that if I'm in trouble now, he would be there for me. I learn a little bit about God through that relationship. Because when I read stories in the Bible about God being there for people, I can understand that because of the relationship I have with my dad. So I can understand that aspect of God a little bit. Let's look at another relationship. Here's uh, me and my wife. This is uh, a picture that we took right before the pandemic started. So you can see how much we've aged since that time. <laughs> That's a joke. This is actually from probably 10 years ago or so. So this is us from a long time ago. Now, I've learned a lot in marriage. As any of you who are watching right now who are married or have been married, you can probably agree that you learn a lot in a marriage, right? And we have gone through just joys and sorrows through life together. Lots of joys, some sorrows. I mean, we have traveled the world together. A couple years ago, we got to move to France and we lived there for a couple of years, kind of living this fairy tale dream, living in this small French village and walking to work and traveling around Europe, seeing all these places. It was an amazing journey that we had together. And then when we moved back to the States a couple of years ago, we started a family or we, we tried to start a, a family and then something happened and we experienced a miscarriage. And that was just an incredibly difficult time a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety and anger and bitterness. But we went through that together. We went through those joys together, and we went through that sorrow together. And isn't there something to be said about just experiencing something alongside someone else? I mean, if you watch a movie that you love, the first thing you want to do is show the people you love this movie that you care about. You want them to like it, too. You want to show this new TV show that you like. If you read a, a book that you like, you want to share it with people, right? There's something to be said about wanting to share life with people. And so I have been able to do that with my wife, share the joys in life and also share in the sorrows. And I know that we will be there to share it with each other. So I learn about God through the relationship I have with my wife because when I read stories in the Bible, 
of people just wanting God on their side and God just being there with them, experiencing grief with them, I can understand that a little bit because of the relationship with my wife. So when I read that Jesus wept, I can understand that a little bit. I can see what that might feel like. Now, I'm going to talk about one more relationship here, and this is maybe the most important relationship, and it's also the newest one in my life. Uh, So I'm going to show you a picture here. This is my daughter, Emerson. Uh, So she is 13 months old. This is a picture of her at Easter. She's wearing some bunny ears there. Uh, This is a brand new relationship for me, and man, I am learning a ton from this relationship. You learn a lot as a parent. Uh, But this is probably a better picture of our relationship together, one that is a little bit more accurate. Uh, So that is her uh, apparently climbing on top of me like a Mount Everest. Uh, Let's take a look at the next picture here. Yeah, that that one, uh, she's making like a face. She looks angry. (laughs) She looks like she is ready to fight me. Uh, (laughs) I've learned a lot uh, being a parent. I've learned a lot. So... It's interesting because one of the things that I I recently experienced, this is actually just from last night, I learned a little bit more about God just last night because it's it's bedtime, my my daughter and my wife are both in the bedroom, and uh, my wife is just reading her a book. I believe she was reading Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, so highly recommend. Uh, So they're reading Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, and I'm in the other room, and I'm cleaning the kitchen, just doing some dishes and things, and I hear them just laughing and reading together in the other room, and it just, like, makes my heart swell. You ever have that in one of your relationships? Just, like, something happens in it, and it just, it just fills you. It just fills your heart. Like, that was so incredible. And it's just a simple thing. I don't even think she knew that I was listening in. It's just such a simple thing that swelled my heart, and it made me realize God's love for me a little bit more. I like to imagine that when God sees me be a father to my daughter and read a story to her, that his heart swells. Right? Don't you imagine that? When I'm you know, being a good husband or being a good friend or being a good brother or son, that God's heart swells up seeing that just the way that mine did, listening to my wife and daughter. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible way to learn more about God through this relationship. Right? And that's not to say you can't learn these things in other kinds of relationships. You don't necessarily need to be a parent to learn these different things, right? You can have all kinds of different relationships. You can learn a lot about the different love of God and all the different aspects and forms that it takes. There's a lot to be learned from all those different forms that love takes. So, one more story I want to share about my daughter. Now, There are times that are difficult. As I mentioned, uh, she is not really sleeping all that well. Well, she also will do some other things, too. When she was young, three months, four months, five months, even now sometimes, she'll scratch me with her fingernails. She will bite me on the arm. Uh, She has, like, slapped me in the face before. She's gone to the bathroom on me a couple of times, right? Makes it so I have no sleep, right? Losing patience, all of these things. Now, sometimes I feel pretty down on myself uh, and all the things I do wrong, you know? I think we all make mistakes. You know, I have broken relationships. I have messed things up between people. 
I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm not a perfect person. And sometimes I get down on myself. Like, I don't understand, you know, how God could love me. I just, I mess up so much. Well, I think I can understand a little bit better now. Because when my daughter does all of those things to me, you know, like physically hurting me even, do you think for one second that I love her any less? Wouldn't that be crazy? If I didn't love my daughter as much because she scratched me a couple times when she was a six-month-old by accident? Of course not. I would be a lunatic. I love this, this little girl, and there is nothing that she could possibly do to change that, ever. Isn't that the way God feels about us? Doesn't that help understand the way God loves us? It's an, it's an interesting thing. We can learn so much from these different relationships. And you have your own relationships in your life. Maybe you're a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter or a husband or a cousin or a friend. What have you learned from those relationships? I mean, yours are going to be different than mine, of course. You have different relationships than I do. And none of these relationships are perfect, but there's something to be learned, even in relationships that are broken, even in relationships that are broken, even in relationships that you don't want to have mended. There's something to be learned in all these things, in relationships that aren't exactly what they're supposed to be. Absentee parents or siblings you haven't spoken to in years or friends that maybe have burned you or you have burned them and you haven't spoken in a long time. There's still something to be learned about these relationships as well. So I want to encourage you. Think about your relationships in your own life. What can you learn about God through those relationships? I mean, these are like echoes of God's love for us that we can learn from. And I think that's why God calls us to be the, the church. I think that's why we are called to be the church. When, when Jesus says to us to throw our nets in, right, I think he's asking us to build relationships. When Jesus invites his disciples to breakfast, I think he's inviting us into relationships with other people, right? I mean, that's our core, one of our core values in this church that we talked about. I think he's calling us into relationships. There's one more verse I want to share here, and I think we'll hammer this home. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. There's a large crowd of people. Jesus and his disciples are there and the disciples come up with a brilliant idea and say, hey, why don't we send these guys to go find a place where there is food? Why don't we send them to a homeless shelter, to a food bank? Why don't we send them somewhere with someone who can help them? But then Jesus says something Pretty remarkable. He says this, you feed them. You feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. So they came back and reported, we have the loaves of bread and two fish. And they go and, and share this food with the disciples. But Jesus says, you feed them. You feed them. How much do you have? Go and find out. We know that Jesus says more in what he says than just what he says. He says more in what he says than just what he says. 
So when we look at the other scripture of him throwing, uh, telling the disciples throw their nets in, we know there's a little bit more to it than that. And I like to think that when Jesus says these things, there's a little bit more to it as well. I like to think that when he says, go feed them, you go feed them, I like to think he's asking us to go out into the world and to care for people, to go and make relationships, to go and build relationships with people. You feed them. He says, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. How much energy do you have? Go and find out. How much time do you have? Go and find out. How much will do you have? Go and find out. Now, I know this is not easy, right? I struggle with this. I feel like I am maxed out, right? I bet many of you feel the same way. I feel like there's not much else I could add into my day that I could actually have time for and still have time for my family, right? I, I got all kinds of things going on and I got to clean the house and all these different jobs and all these things I got to do. Where am I going to find the time to go out and start all these new relationships with people that you're telling me to do? Well, that's the struggle, right? That's what Jesus is saying, right? It would have been much easier for the disciples to have these people just go and find someone else to help them, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, you feed them. Go and find out how much you have. Go and find out. And I think that's the call that we have for the church, right? I think that's the call that Jesus gives us. We go out into the world and help each other and build relationships. I mean, that's the whole thing, building relationships. So I want to share one more thing, and that comes actually from a movie. Uh, I think we have a movie poster here, the movie. It's called 10,000 B.C. Now, before you go and feel like you need to watch this thing, it's not exactly Citizen Kane here. You're getting a movie that's rated like a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. So just if you're going to watch the movie... Just know this is not necessarily a recommendation that's a great movie. I personally think it's okay, uh, but there is one part of the movie I really want to share. So this is basically the plot. It takes place, as you can imagine, around 10,000 B.C., ancient times. And there is a guy living in a village, and he has um, this loved one, right? This person he just adores, and she gets kidnapped by some ancient evil empire. And so he goes on this long journey, this long quest to get back his love, right? To reclaim her, to, to find her and rescue her. But along the way, all these different things happen. And he meets up with all these different people and all these different tribes. And along the way, he realizes something. That his journey is bigger than just himself. It's bigger than just his kidnapped love. Because he comes across all these other tribes who are being oppressed by this empire. And they have their own problems, and, and they're starving, and they're hurting, and they're being enslaved, and they're also being kidnapped. And the only way to rescue his wife is to unite all these different groups, all these different tribes, and to get them to rebel and overthrow this empire. He realizes the only way to rescue his love is to find this thing that's a little bit more to have this goal that's a little bit bigger. It's not just about him and his love anymore. It's about all these tribes that are oppressed, all of these different groups that are hurting, all of these people that are struggling. And so he unites them, and they overthrow the empire, and he rescues his love. But there's one part of the story when 
he's still struggling with, you know, why is this burden falling on me, right? Why am I the one to unite all these different groups? And there's a wise person in the movie, and he says this. He says, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He says, good people draw a circle around themselves, and they care for those within. Their, their son, their daughter, their wife, their husband. You draw the circle around your life, and you care for those within. Other people draw a bigger circle, and they bring in more people, their brothers, their sisters, their cousins, their friends. But some people with a great destiny draw a circle that includes many, many more. Isn't that what we're called to do? Isn't that what Jesus is saying? You feed them. Throw out your net. Come fish for people. Isn't Jesus calling us to draw a bigger circle? Now, I'm, I'm not criticizing anyone who, who really just focuses, I'm just going to take care of my family. I got my own, I got my own circle here. I'm just going to take care of my family. I don't have time to take care of all these other people. I don't have time for more relationships. I don't have time for more friendships. I just don't have time. Nobody's criticizing that. I'm not criticizing that. Good people do that. Good people do take care of their friends and their family. But some people will draw a bigger circle. And I wonder if you and I are that, are that person. Will we draw a bigger circle? Will we care for more people than just our inner circle? Will we draw a much bigger circle? Will we throw our nets in on the other side? Will we invite someone out for breakfast? Will we go and find out how much bread we have? Will we be the ones to go and feed them? I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. And I, I hear that's difficult, right? I'm not perfect. And that is a lot of work to start all these relationships, right? But we, we get something out of it. We learn about God through relationships. We learn more about God through relationships. And the more we make, the more relationships we build, the more we will learn about God and the way he loves us, the more confident we become in God's love. That's what being the church is all about. It's about building these relationships, and we learn more about God by doing that. So I'm going to borrow something from Pastor Kyle. He likes to do these so what's. I'm going to mimic that uh, because I think it's good. So what? Why care about any of this stuff? Why listen to me for all this time? Because God calls us to relationships, and we should all draw a bigger circle. That's what it comes down to. God calls us to relationships, and we should all draw a bigger circle. I mean, it might be kind of strange to think today, like you go to school in elementary school or middle school, and maybe your parents said to you as you were leaving, like, hey, go and make some friends, right? Hey, make a new friend today. Wouldn't it be strange for like me to tell Nikki when she's going to work, like, hey, make a new friend today? You know, a 50-year-old telling another 50-year-old, hey, go and make some friends today. It might sound a little strange, but it shouldn't be, right? And I'm not saying to like go out and like hunt people down and like, you, you're going to be my friend today, right? That's not what I'm saying. But when we go about our days, we come across people, right? And I know it's been difficult in the coronavirus time and the pandemic. And we haven't had that human interaction. 
But as things start to change and we start to be able to see each other more and more, more people getting vaccinated and all that, as we come across each other more, going about your life, are you willing to draw your circle a little bigger? Are you willing to let that wall down and maybe strike up a conversation with, with someone in a coffee shop? Are you willing to have a conversation with people as you come across them? Are you willing to have more people in your circle? Are you willing to draw a bigger circle? Are you willing to throw your net in on the other side and see what might happen? Are you willing to go and feed them? Will you go find out how much you have? How much energy do you have? How much time do you have? How much will do you have? This is what God is calling us to do. It's a difficult thing. It's a simple thing, but it's a difficult thing. And I struggle with this, and I will be on this journey with you. I know I need to be better at this. I need to be willing to have more people in my circle and not close it off so early. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me during this time as we think about these relationships in our lives. So I invite you to pray with me. God, we want to know more about you. We want to learn more about your love and, and all the different forms that your love takes for us. God, we need your help to build these relationships. Help us to start small. Start with breakfast. Start with a conversation. God, give us that will. Give us the time. Give us the energy. It can be so challenging to, to step outside of our own circles to do something that involves more people, brings more people in. It's, it's a challenge, God. We need your guidance. We need your love. And God, we know these relationships, they're, they're not a, just a tool. Relationships are the goal. We are made to be in relationship with each other. That's what the church is. So God, help us to go and find out how much we have, to go and feed them, to try and throw our nets in another place, to draw our circles bigger. In your name we pray. Amen.